0: Previously on X Men. X-Men, X-Men, Welcome, dear listeners, to a realm where ordinary becomes extraordinary, where the misunderstood become heroes, and where unity conquers adversity. This is the world of mutants, the world of the X Men. Join us as we delve deep into the stories that have captured the hearts and minds of generations. From the gripping battles of the animated series to the live-action films, this is Exposition, an X-Men podcast. Excelsior!
1: Hi, welcome to Exposition, an X-Men podcast. My name is Jennifer Smith. I'm your co-host for this Night of the Sentinels Part 2 episode, picking up where we left off last time, My co-host Tim Capel. How are you, tonight?
2: Uh, doing good, Jenny, and I guess we took a little bit of a break, uh, I hope um, people have been jonesing for this follow-up to our first episode, we are now covering Night of the Sentinels Part 2, Part 2 of our two-part pilot, and I hope people enjoyed as well, Fody Freak Out Driving the entire month of October, some very excellent Halloween themed programming, some poor watch-alongs, I got to take part in that, Jenny, it was a lot of fun.
1: It was, yeah. I might sneak this episode in during voting month. We'll see. Are you really? I don't know. If you can get away with it. We'll see. I kind of want to let the demand build up, but then Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't want to wait too long, also. So we'll see. We'll see what comes up. But we have um, a couple of guests tonight um sitting in the gallery uh waiting to suckle at the teat of our X men knowledge. Wow.
0: Okay. We got
1: we got Dark Beastie. His name is Keithy. How you doing Keithy?
0: I'm waiting to suckle at the teat of knowledge, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah I'm doing great. Um uh, back again, the Dark Beastie is here. Um I'm so excited for uh to review this Or at least discuss this episode, uh, part two, part deux, of this episode, if you will. All
1: right. And we also got, damn it, Logan, um, our favorite Wolverine-named friend. How you doing, Logan?
3: (laughs) I am like the uh, X-Men ship. I'm long, hard, and full of X-Men. So there we go. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. Hey, now. And, and you know what's that?
2: crazy? Bird. Blackbird.
1: Blackbird.
2: <laughs> Blackbird. Black, yeah.
3: Okay, I, I knew it was black something, but I couldn't remember what the other word was. So,
2: sometimes right. called the X Jet, which I think is dumb. It's yeah, just kind
3: of dumb. Mm.
2: Um, you know, I don't know if we pointed this out last episode, but Logan, like the the X Man of his namesake, his real name is not actually Logan; it's James. James. Right? Yeah. yeah even correct.
1: even weirder.
2: Just yeah. like I mean, that couldn't be more perfect. Yep, so we share
3: every name but the last name, so.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, how about that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Two returning champions, Jenny. We're just uh, missing Matt Souza from, from last episode, but that's okay. We'll get him back in the mix. We'll get some others in the mix, in the rotation as well, I'm sure, as we move it along. Uh, so, last time around, we talked about that pilot, the kind of the historical uh, significance of it and how we got here and certainly what happened, but I figured we would do a quick recap here for for folks who, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, whether it's uh, several weeks or just a few weeks, um, thank you for rejoining us, but uh, here we are on uh, part two, Night of the Sentinels, Uh, but last time around, you might say previously on X-Men, Yeah, we were introduced to the young mutant Jubilee, who, in short order, was pursued by a gigantic robot. And we would come to learn in this episode, we're going to be talking about that that giant robot is known as a Sentinel. Uh, So she is pursued by that robot through the New Salem Mall. And there, Jubilee encountered various members of the X-Men who dispatched the Sentinel, got to show off their powers in the process Uh, And an unconscious jubilee was then taken to the X-Mansion, where she learned of the X-Men's existence and their purpose as mutant peacekeepers and freedom fighters. Now, the Sentinel's memory was scrubbed, and the X-Men learned that it was acting on records from the Mutant Control Agency, which is a, I'm still very unclear on this, a quasi-government program (laughs) That is ostensibly designed to provide, I guess, public assistance for distressed mutants. But they say it is not an actual government agency. It is a private organization, you guys. So all of that is going to lead X-Men headmaster Charles Xavier to suspect that somebody within the agency is conspiring against mutants. And he concludes that their files must be destroyed immediately dispatches two squads of X-Men to their headquarters in Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, Jubilee has fled the mansion to check back in on her foster parents, and she then is actually captured by the Sentinels. In Washington, the X-Men have arrived, uh, so Wolverine, Beast, and Morph are led by Storm through the Mutant Control Agency headquarters. They stealthily thwart various security measures as they work their way deeper into the complex, unbeknownst that they are soon to be set upon by a squadron of armed guards. You guys. So that yeah. made for a rather abrupt ending, <laughs> but a uh, hell of a cliffhanger for our first episode, our, our series premiere of X Men, the animated series.
1: Pretty effective as a cliffhanger, gotta say.
2: Absolutely. Certainly. Definitely. So picking back up in the second part, um, it's not exactly where we left off. Instead, we, we sort of rewind a bit, mm-hmm. um, taking that action back to really the second unit of X-Men who are, I guess, providing backup and surveillance. They're headed up by a rather tense Cyclops, and he is told by Rogue that he looks... As nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Oh,
1: I love that so much. I love her
2: so much. And she says it
3: with a pretty southern draw. She sure does. Mm -hmm.
2: I don't know about you guys. I've never heard that particular saying. Oh, um, I have. Have you really? I've heard that a lot.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely have.
2: Yeah. I've heard like nervous as a cat, but not in, in quite the uh, specific detail that mm-hmm. Rogue goes into and a here. room
1: full of rocking chairs. A
2: room full of rocking chairs. Yeah.
0: I tell you what, I'm as nervous as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> certainly that we we've all heard. Um, her, her
3: her accent is more Tennessee. I, I kind of picked it is up on that. It's you think definitely so? more Tennessee. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's very cute, like the I way got, it, um, oh, it's
4: extremely she's cute. she's got
0: that like, like I can't even do it, but like it, I
1: can't even like do y'all.
0: it hi, y'all, like that. and It's, just, mm. oh, that it, little it's like um. a
1: hoarseness to her voice. There's like, a yeah.
2: huskiness, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like it cuts out sometimes. It's really. It, and that
0: just, that kills me. Every yeah, time yeah. She, she drops
3: the guard at
2: one point and says,
3: show things, sugar. So mm. show things, sugar.
2: <laughs> I just really love this, and I wanted to point it out because it's one of many, many instances where Rogue just has that way of cutting directly to the chase with some yeah. very <laughs> colorful figure of speech. And mm-hmm. it is so authentically southern for anyone who mm-hmm. uh, has ever lived in the house lived in the south or, or known someone from the south, loved someone from the south. And
1: Cyclops in this way just no-sells this fucking of cuteness it, of mean, her. Uh-huh. And yeah. just like, whatever, I'm just worried, okay? Yeah. yeah. Well, Shut that, up, Cyclops. You're always worried.
2: <laughs> That's well, very of common. course Gambit, Gambit, if that was me and there, you wouldn't have to worry. <laughs> yeah. Bragging the whole time. I love uh-huh. Gambit. Like Cyclops, oh my god, these two clowns I'm stuck with. <laughs> so but anyway. We need
3: to be more serious. <laughs> <laughs>
2: of course. Always at all times. <laughs> um cutting back to storm's crew. Uh we now resolve last week's cliffhanger in pretty extraordinary fashion because Wolverine stops storm just before she opens that door saying that he smells gun oil. So this Mm -hmm. is kind of confirming, well, I guess we got, we, we got that in the last episode as well, where he said he, he actually could smell the ozone in the Mm -hmm. air with the Mm -hmm. electronic, um, the laser grid system or whatever that beast had to traverse.
4: Right. Yeah. So
2: basically He has enhanced senses, so he can he can detect these things well in advance of ordinary human beings. It's a um,
1: pretty subtle, but like really cool use of his powers. Like, yeah, you think of Wolverine, it's all knives and you know finger knives and bullshit, right? Right. But you don't really think about a sense of smell in the in a tactical situation.
4: Uh
2: Uh You don't think there's much subtlety when it comes to Wolverine, right? But, um,
0: I mean, don't forget that he is kind of like a master, like, hunter, you know? mm -hmm. Yeah, he Mm
1: -hmm. is. And a military man, too.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, later on in the episode, he'll say, you know, something about No Man Left Behind. So I feel like it kind of hints at his military background.
3: Mm. They're claws, Ginny, not finger knives. Who am
1: I? Freddy Krueger. (laughs) Claws, finger knives. No, I'm sorry. You're Freddy. You're Freddy.
2: So, um, this Adamantium, is going to allow.
1: Okay, you're adamant. Adamantium <laughs> finger- taste claws. Bone claws. I can.
3: O- I can only apologize.
2: <laughs> it's all right.
1: Damn it, Logan!
0: Damn it, Logan! <laughs>
2: so, in any case, this allows the X-Men to turn the tables and now get the get the drop on the guards. Instead, pull a switcheroo here. And Uh storm swiftly dispatches them using gale force winds. She just sends them all flying down the hall, basically. No top poetry
1: says storm.
2: Well, yes, this is okay. This is something we didn't talk about in our last episode. So they're they're going to go to work now, destroying the agency's uh, digital and physical registration files. Storm tells Beast the computer is his, and uh, Beast throughout this series has a knack for quoting poetry uh this He's is very not some, smart you see right it's basically saying hey this is a, a smart very scholarly dude yes. um it's just it's notable because it's it's not something that comics beast does like ever uh,
4: really? while they are
2: yeah they're, they're both incredibly intelligent yeah. He comics beast does not ever quote poetry
1: i uh, would it, i'm really surprised by that i did not yep. know that it's I just, just something he
2: did. It's mm. just something they did to to differentiate huh. his character uh, and establish that aspect of his personality. And as I understand it, the writers of this show would actually try to one up each other by finding
4: <laughs> increasingly,
2: yeah, yeah, increasingly obscure quotes like you know Bartlett's <laughs> quotations or whatever to that would apply to the situation at hand. Just to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have him say this. Okay, well, I'll I'll have him say this, and it just sort of took on a life of its own which is pretty funny. storm got
1: no time for that bullshit <laughs>
2: no she sure doesn't because um he's taking he's taking his sweet time on this computer and uh she, she's not gonna stand for that and uh she ends up destroying the computer uh yeah. be- i guess he's gonna use a virus that was his intent <laughs> to wipe out all their files um Meanwhile, she's she's Sweet literally started, in
1: there, just going, nope, <laughs> fuck yeah, you.
2: <laughs> she and Wolverine have started a, a barrel fire where they are destroying <laughs> the paper records, which works pretty well. Um, problem being, though, reinforcements have arrived outside of the agency. Cyclops orders Gambit and Rogue to keep them at bay, but he stresses that no humans are to be harmed in the process. Mm. Now, I have to admit, you guys, I have to confess something. I committed a boner last episode. (gasps) Not a boner. (laughs) When I said that...
0: um, Not a a boner. A boner.
2: A boner, a significant one. When I uh, said that one of the characters we were introduced to in that pilot was Bolivar Trask. He doesn't turn up until this scene that we're about to get into. Mm. Which I, for the life of me, I guess this is what happens when you have seen this episode 24 million times. Mm -hmm. And I say this episode, this end part one, just watching them back to back. It's not like I'd ever watch one without watching the other. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And they just sort of like, as much as I know them to try to differentiate what happens when it, it takes some effort, we'll say. And so this is where we actually meet Boulevard Trask, the inventor of the Sentinels. Uh, we cut away to Detroit, Michigan, the processing plant of the Sentinels, uh, where Jubilee is being interrogated by Henry Peter Geirich, oh. and Geirich is going to get interrupted by Trask, uh, who is basically saying, who is this mutant? Why did you bring her here? What's wrong with you? And Geirich is is telling him that she's just a test case, basically, a random name from the registration files. Uh, we're going to determine the Sentinels' capabilities and see if they're really ready uh, to move against the mutants. And Trask is saying, no, we agreed not to do that until we had 100 Sentinels. Uh, Gyrick is giving him shit about not building them fast enough. This uh, this whole question of how quickly can you actually build a Sentinel, mm-hmm. um, that's going to get resolved in a somewhat unique fashion later <laughs> in this season, we'll say. <laughs> We we uh we'll solve that little um supply problem later on. But uh for now, we're we're at the mercy of Boulevard Trask in his uh I guess rusted out Detroit factory here. <laughs> um
1: it is rusty, now, ain't it?
2: It it looks rough there. I'm not going to lie.
1: How are you building sentinels in this place, dude?
2: It, he's he seems to have a pretty pretty decent operation in terms of there's a lot of automation i mean he's a one-man show i don't see any any sentinel factory workers so no, there
3: ain't have, no
1: they're no henchmen
2: he must have figured something out but but he he hasn't quite cracked the code yet but uh he'll he'll get there so back in dc storm and company have completed their mission they make a break for it but at this point i mean you guys, the grounds of the Mutant Control Agency have become a veritable war zone. Mm-hmm. Because um, Gyrick got a call, I guess from HQ, saying all hell is breaking loose. And he said to eliminate the mutant intruders immediately. So he's pulling no punches. Uh, the Sentinels have now been dispatched. And here's where we get a very panicked Morph. Uh shoving Wolverine out of the way for a blast intended for his teammate. Morph takes that direct hit. We don't actually see it on screen because we then smash cut back to the X-Mansion where Jean, Jean Grey, who is monitoring the battle telepathically, cries out in pain. Mm-hmm. She tells Professor X that it's Morph. He scans the battlefield and responds that he cannot sense anything. Ooh, what's going on, you guys? Um, well. Now, the Blackbird arrives back at the mansion. We see a solemn Cyclops sort of just silently departing. Storm is sobbing in the background. Uh-huh. Wolverine now angrily calls out Cyclops and confronts him. He goes so far as to punch him, socks him in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> blaming him for abandoning their teammates. Now, they before hate each Cyclops. Other so much. Oh my God. And Cyclops is ready to turn Wolverine into a shadow on the wall.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, Gene <laughs> runs in, defuses the situation. Wolverine's still protesting that Morph and Beast may still be alive. So mm-hmm. there's some. We haven't gotten mm-hmm. the whole picture here, right? And Gene interrupts him to say simply that beast is and shakes her head when wolverine asks about morph uh. okay guys so this is the show rather dramatically but tastefully confirming from multiple vantage points now that morph was totally killed um, yeah. without explicitly showing his death scene um, kind of a big deal <laughs> For a Saturday morning children's cartoon to do yeah. in your second episode. Um
1: well luckily we didn't give a shit about him, really. So. That's
2: well, that's the idea. We talked mm-hmm. about how He's for people from. who are yeah familiar with the X-Men from, from our last episode and who are diehard X-Men fans, you're kind of sitting there going, Who the hell is more?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And we did answer that question, but the the real answer to the question is he's cannon fodder like yeah he's he's the red shirt exactly he's
0: a red shirt Nice. <laughs> i love it
2: he really only exists here to establish the stakes and to demonstrate that this is a show that's that's not afraid to push that envelope right mm-hmm. it's not going to pull any punches there are consequences characters live and die and and these these fights it's not you know it's not your average saturday morning action show this is not gi joe with laser guns that you know never make any contact right Right. just shooting back and forth across the screen
1: and we have conflict within the team with wolverine and cyclops and cyclops is our leader so that's a deal for us Mm -hmm. like seeing though they're rivalry is one of the biggest in comics that i know of like to be on the same team yeah Uh, and so seeing that sparked here and for good reason on both sides you know like cyclops had to leave also how could you leave
2: so it's a good
1: moral stance for both of them to take so that you feel conflicted and Uh, it
2: seems like kind of a a minor thing but just A character throwing a punch. A punch that connects. That was already Mm -hmm. sort of a no-no as far as broadcast standards and practices. But Mm -hmm. this is not an enemy, right? Wolverine is punching.
1: Cyclops
2: took it. Yeah, yeah, punches his teammate. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is crazy. And again, this is minutes after a character just died. And now that is being confirmed on screen. So, you know, we had this this guy, Morph, who... If you're an unsuspecting kid, you don't really you know know that, that much about this concept or these characters. You're like, okay, Morph, he's the funny one, right? He's the comic relief. He just got fucking blown away. Mm. Um, it's
1: ain't a funny show, kids.
2: <laughs> this, this is not a, not fun and games. I don't know how dramatic or not that might have been to younger viewers. Right. but uh I mean, for me... Maybe it just they just basically, didn't
1: get it. I don't maybe, know, because they didn't yeah. show it. I don't know. But um, it's kind of obvious to the rest of the episode. You're happen to morph. He's
3: not going to be on the next episode. I'm <laughs> um, <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, at the time, I just remember thinking, "Oh, that's why Morph was on the show." <laughs> yes, <laughs> just connecting the dots immediately,
3: right? Like,
2: oh, um, okay.
3: do you think his death was maybe to like show that like that's a possibility going on through? I mean, yeah, might, I maybe, think so. To put it in else,
0: your head, but, but to yeah, put yeah. It in your
3: head that maybe mm. somebody else may at some point uh,
0: kind of sure know, meet their end. Well. Yeah, like we're willing to pull no punches here, you know. <laughs> Another note that I had
1: during this sequence um, was that the Sentinels are the height of technology right now and they have fucking ropes in their little arm cannons (laughs) that they do Go down to like, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you not blasting a laser at him?
2: Yeah, that's pretty effective. They show
1: lasers coming out of their hands. Also, (laughs) why are we roping things? And then also, what happened to the rope? Is the rope now hanging from the Sentinel's hand as he's trying to do other stuff? I did not see that. Some
3: people, some people people just like to shoot ropes, Jenny. I
1: guess so. He would motherfucker was just shooting ropes all over the battlefield.
2: You got to have a good. You love a good tendril you know, yeah, you just yeah. in these shows, it it's important, I think, to establish uh, ropes, dropping <laughs> ropes, <laughs> sentinels. Well, I gotta tell you, um, as this episode goes on, I might be shooting ropes because yeah. of, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and we talked about, you know, how more he was actually intended to be Thunderbird, a mm-hmm. uh, Native American character who did in fact die on his like second outing with the X-Men and that did get you know scratched by uh, broadcast S P they said no not a good look to uh to to kill off your only Native American it representation worked. if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route they said well can we kill somebody else and they're like oh, <laughs> yeah I mean, the white maybe. guy <laughs> we like, all right well that. how about this how about this dude what if we do it like this they're like yeah i guess all right. All right.
0: we Let's really comics. want to kill somebody can we really kill someone as dude, long as they are tasteful. Someone. as
2: long Look, as they were tasteful that about in it
1: comics is my jam like i'm sorry it is like that it's a real consequence of comic book shit is death like
2: yeah.
1: i don't know I, i'm glad they didn't shy away from it yep
2: yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, it does turn out to be temporary in comics more often than not. Always, Uh, yes. Will that be the case for this show? Hmm. I don't know, you guys. Sure seems like uh Morph is a one and done character to me, but uh anyway, let's keep it moving. Um so we'll be,
1: uh, he bails out
2: after he, he bails. Fighting. Wolverine is just beyond consoling, he's pissed. Uh, he, he takes out some aggression on uh, I guess Cyclops's uh, car. car. He's got a he sedan that he
3: convertible.
2: turns into a convertible and it takes the roof off of.
1: And He says, I go where I want to go. Go, <laughs> go, right? I love it, I love it, mm. it's awesome.
2: Well, what's so great about this Wolverine? You know, not only is he not Australian, but uh, <laughs> pretty important, right? Right. But since this like entire voice cast is Canadian, that results in Wolverine being the most authentic he's ever been. Yes, depicted I as would a agree. character. I would agree. Right? Yeah, uh, Cal Dodd, is his voice actor,
1: Cal he Dodd, a, Oh, a, genius, uh, a genius man.
2: I want to say he was a jazz musician before he took up voice acting really interesting career for this guy but um absolutely iconic i mean he invents the wolverine growl just that yes. guttural awesome. roar before he does anything uh all right so wolverine takes off and this is where we learn via flashback what really went down how this mm-hmm. this mission went sour so interesting narrative device here where Wolverine is driving off and, and we cut back to the earlier events and he, he's reflecting on things. And so after Morph ate it, uh, <laughs> beast and rogue also go down in pretty short order. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Wolverine himself, Jenny, you mentioned the, uh, the ropes that the, the Sentinel yeah. are, are deploying Wolverine literally gets thrown from the battlefield because he, he gets, a. Uh, Ensnared in this like this tendril uh, snare trap that the sentinel launches at him, he he is whirled around and thrown into the. He deep got work. lassoed, motherfucker! He got lassoed. He got straight up lassoed. Yeah, <laughs> and, and whirled around he's in the air and thrown. <laughs> I don't know how he's he has any recollection of these events because he sure <laughs> as hell wasn't there to witness it. So I guess mm. I guess we should Amazing. take this as a, yes,
1: uh, we just found a botch. Well,
2: I think this is meant to be a pretty objective. Here's what actually happened. Sure. Not so much. And
1: a flashback,
2: though. Yeah, but it's presented as a flashback for some reason. So Um, his
1: point of view should be in the
2: fucking forest. His point of view should be crawling (laughs) through the woods.
0: Where am I? So, I feel like the only—I um, feel like the only thing this montage was missing was like a '80s Rocky theme. Like, yeah, oh, there's sure. no
4: reason yeah. be no
0: out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't tell it's me not what Rocky. But I was like, there. No.
2: <laughs> yep. So, uh, with the situation hopeless, utterly, um, Cyclops ultimately makes the call to retreat. Wolverine, having uh, gathered himself now, I suppose, he (laughs) refuses to run out on Beast and Morph, and that ultimately uh, causes Rogue to now reveal and use for the first time her natural mutant powers being um, absorption of Mm. life force to, to actually... Yeah, so she... Rogue is... If you don't know much about Rogue, she must seem a very unusual character because we've seen she can fly, she has super strength, okay, fair enough, but now all of a sudden she's touching somebody and knocking them out? Like, what is this, right? And that's exactly what she does. We don't get much of an explanation of that other than um, her acknowledging that she has to be careful to draw out enough of his energy to stop him without permanently harming him. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where we kind of leave that. Um
1: fascinating power though.
2: It is. It is. And it's again one of the reasons I, I think she is so cool. And as we learn more about why she has these other powers that she does, um that's going to provide one of my favorite episodes later on down the line. Um so I'll just say at this point that where we might have been leaning more towards Wolverine's like very noble defense and and loyalty to his teammates. Uh, here we see that he was being pretty irrational, honestly, pretty unreasonable and and not even present for the greater part of this battle, right? Again, he gets thrown off of the battlefield. Meanwhile, look, I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> Cyclops took down no less than like seven sentinels. Single badass man, yeah,
1: he, he was killing it.
2: Wolverine contributed nothing to this fight. I'm that sorry, he very true. He didn't, and Cyclops only ordered but that retreat. He left
1: men behind though,
2: he did, but but he only ordered that retreat at the urging of multiple X Men when right. it was clear he that they could do nothing that. here, you know, right. and it's just. Uh, Tough at spot. best they can live to fight another day right, right that's exactly. all they can do here
1: and that's what he does as leader is make the tough calls and usually it's the one that sucks and yeah. you know
2: somebody's got to do it
1: somebody has to do it and it's him i i i liken him to captain america
2: in that a little bit sense. yeah he so is their captain america. a lot
1: about you in well,
2: it does. I mean, look, this is my duty, you guys. This is Superman's my
1: Superman Cyclops and Captain America. <laughs> it's
2: it's my duty as a Cyclops truther to to set the record straight <laughs> on this issue. I'm not trying to. I'm only working with what they show me, right?
4: I agree.
3: You a big John Cena fan as well? Uh, <sighs> I don't
2: know about all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's not go crazy. I'm just messing. <laughs> not go crazy. Um so here's here's how I take it you guys. Wolverine is really at this point just taking out his own self-loathing and his own humiliating yes. ineffectiveness in this battle. <laughs> he is taking that out on Cyclops, right?
1: Uh sure. He
2: says I need a punching bag. This guy will do because he left our teammates behind. When really Wolverine, it's, it's you didn't do here. shit. You didn't do shit. And at least your leader actually tried, you know. But anyway, again, Cyclops' truthers. <laughs> he um, was
1: thwarted by a rope. I'm just gonna say he, he was. was. He
2: was. Stu- what was he gonna that do? That is what happened. What he he could have got
1: lasered. No, it was just the rope. I, I like, know
2: he didn't even get lasered. So no.
1: why did he not cut the rope? I'm just saying he has the,
2: uh, exactly. It, you know? it's a bad. Isn't it just a bad look for Wolverine all it, around?
1: It really is embarrassing on his
2: that body. he got lassoed. I mean, it's embarrassing. He got lassoed yeah. and and just yeah. pitched like he was nothing
1: what Fucking a bitch <laughs> baby cow
2: mm-hmm. and I love how the show doesn't like call that out because
4: at all you guys
2: this this is a sophisticated children's drama it, <laughs> it is showing it is showing rather than telling it is um, if you're wondering uh, what about Beast right well mm-hmm. he got blasted um, by two sentinels and was sent flying into an electrified fence lucky to be alive himself um, we do get a quick scene where he is taken prisoner and acknowledges and mourns Morph's death, but um, refuses to answer any questions that uh, Gyric may have, who is
0: trying to uh, press him for information.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Still All right, co- now- mm-hmm. is, is this where he's still cool enough to be hanging upside down? Or is that what yeah. you're on? Yes, he is hanging yeah, upside he's, down. He's
1: chilling. Uh- yeah, just... He's chilling in this prison film. Ceiling. Yes. I
0: don't mind this prison, but I could use some more Shakespeare. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. That's
0: a
1: good, good dark beastie.
2: <laughs> well, we'll see. He is um, enjoying some literature when we next catch up with him, which is not going to be this episode, but uh we'll, we'll get there. Um So now... I don't know what to call her other than Madam President. She she hasn't given a name. Yeah.
1: The president is a woman, you guys. Yeah,
2: Madam President. This show That's is great. so woke. It is pu-
1: super woke.
2: Pushing its liberal agenda, trying to indoctrinate yeah. children. What a bunch of bullshit. are we even covering it. it? America. God, what year is it? Oh, 1992. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, Madam President, she... Uh, I love that she's also getting some reps in on her stair
4: yeah, climber. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah.
1: totally working out.
2: She's on the Respect. elliptical. She's, yeah, and it's like late at night, apparently. From, from the looks well, of things.
1: President's busy. Get it in yeah. when you can.
2: She president's is, always um, getting
3: buff,
1: <laughs> right?
2: You bet. She, yeah. Well, she got
1: she, she got real lesbian energy. I feel like in um,
2: I do kind of think she's coded as a lesbian. Yeah. A
1: little bit. Um, <laughs> glad glad you said that. Also, <laughs> as well.
2: So she is uh, surprisingly sympathetic towards the mutants. Yeah. Yeah. Calls Gyrick out on the floor and pretty much condemns his very aggressive actions towards them. Um, Mm -hmm. Goes so far as to pull federal support for the mutant control agency on the spot and orders Gyrick to cease all activities involving mutant registration from here on out. Well, hell.
1: That's kind of a big deal, right? Because a lot deal. of this show is social justice for mutants.
2: Yeah, and we're getting it big time.
1: on our side or currently.
2: Very, very surprising to see, right? Now, we do get a rebuttal to all of this in the form of uh, Senator Kelly with a voiceover uh, expressing support for the agency's actions against this mutant siege. And Wolverine is overhearing this at a local pool hall, and he says, why don't you shut that garbage up? (laughs) Very uh, politely,
1: he says that. Very
2: politely, yes. He is accosted by some of the regulars, uh, (laughs) led by a Jack (laughs) Nicholson-voiced biker dude. What's... Going on here, the
1: voice did not match the animation in any way.
2: It, it did not. Why don't you get out of here?
0: Why don't Let's, you?
1: And it's like a burly dude, like a lumberjack.
0: Why don't you get out of
1: here? <laughs> Put this
0: chicken between your knees. Exactly what he sounds like.
1: We don't and this want is like you don't the uh, around here.
2: We
0: don't like this. Reminds Terminator. me
2: of the, the bar from uh Terminator 2. Yeah,
1: that's great. Yes, These guys. I love yeah. this bar, it's great. Um, it looks fun, and Wolverine's just letting off some steam, like he's like, "I'm drink some beer and play some pool and just yeah. chill out."
2: Chill, mm.
1: yeah. Can't even well, do that, man.
2: Well, he he pops his claws on on these guys. He's yeah, ready to he carve does. them up. But uh, Cyclops arrives just in the nick of time before this situation butt out,
1: four eyes. real
2: ugly. Yep, butt out! Why don't you butt out, four eyes? <laughs> <laughs> so this leads to a pretty. Funny exchange where uh <laughs> Cyclops has his his glasses pushed off his head. He says you wouldn't hit a man with glasses, so take them off. And uh take and and I'll shoot you. He demolishes this pool table <laughs>
3: yeah, with, with an awesome.
2: uncontrolled optic glass.
3: Yeah, awesome. yep. just fucking nukes it. It's just, awesome.
2: Yeah. Yep. I mean it is I've just, said
1: it three times because
3: it's really cool.
0: So just so proving right over the floor. <laughs> Proving right away that Cyclops' power is the worst. <laughs> it is yeah, the worst, it's kind it is. of the
2: best and the worst, right? So uh it kind of answers the question of why he's so uptight, right? When you're walking around with the equivalent of a loaded gun pointed at everyone's head 24-7 mm-hmm. that you can't unload. Um yeah. I'd probably Ooh.
4: have
2: i I'd probably have a stick up my ass too. We'll um, a little bit. That's a, a lot of restraint required. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot. Um, So the good news here is that Cyclops has hatched a plan and he doesn't quite tell us exactly what it is yet, but he does successfully bait Wolverine with the prospect of locating the Sentinels home base.
4: Mm.
2: So Wolverine is now back in. Uh, We then cut away. I can smell the
1: ropes from here.
2: (laughs) 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 Ma'am. Ropes, (laughs)
1: the ropes (laughs) that ensnared me earlier. I caught their scent, so I won't be fooled again. Um, I mean, he smelled gun oil earlier, so I'm saying he can smell ropes.
2: Sure, it should be within his his repertoire, right? (laughs) I know the smell of the shot ropes
0: from earlier.
2: (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) quick costume change later cyclops is now meeting with jubilee's foster parents and he is expressing concern to them that jubilee may have been taken by the sentinels oh no and this is where we have a guilt-stricken foster father of jubilee these people aren't given names otherwise i would use them Mm -hmm. uh telling cyclops you've got to leave now because uh, he was he was told that if anyone comes around asking for Jubilee that that he should report them to the agency, which mm-hmm. he has done, just as Cyclops had hooked.
1: So, he reported them and then said, "Please run." Like,
2: yeah, well, what? he he was very guilt. Oh, yeah.
0: They should have had they should have had Wolverine go. You know, snitches get stitches. <laughs> No, no
2: Cyclops is really good with this. Claw ass on the he's, wall. He's real good with this. And he actually reassures them that they have done the right thing here and uh, steps outside and is immediately greeted by a sentinel mm-hmm. who orders him to surrender. We get a wonderful not joke from Cyclops, mm-hmm. who again, should not ever make jokes. But <laughs> if it's 1992, you're, you're going to make a not joke.
1: Not joke. How does uh, it go?
2: The Sentinel goes, "Surrender, mutant!" And Cyclops puts his hands up and goes, "Of course,
0: not,
1: not." <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 and
2: uh, he then he blasts one of the Sentinels' arms off. He stops short of yeah, it was completely cool. wasting it. Um, so the damaged Sentinel is now going to return to Detroit for repairs
0: and <laughs> Detroit. This
2: to Detroit. That's just, that's where their, their processing plant is. And uh, that is going to allow the X-Men to track it on radar from the Blackbird. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty spiffy here. Mm-hmm. And Gyrick has made his return to Detroit with his tail between his legs after getting uh, his ass handed to him by mm-hmm. Madam President's. <laughs> and uh he shut spells, down his
1: whole fucking program.
2: Really fucking cut so, out. brings Trask up to date here and says that uh they're gonna be we're, moving the Sentinel program done. overseas. Okay. Uh now the, the one armed sentinel at this point crash lands mm-hmm. at the uh processing plant for reasons that are unrevealed, but that allows Jubilee to escape her confinement. Uh, just in time to see the cavalry arrive so the x-men now rescue jubilee and lay waste to all of the sentinels in this processing plant mm-hmm, a very mm-hmm. climactic final battle here yes yeah, very uh, awesome. I, I really love this uh, yeah okay so you you brought it up jenny this is um this is like the first instance we get of, of the theme song mm-hmm. uh, playing over an awesome, awesome battle sequence. And that's going to be, begin a tradition for this show. Like, as soon as you hear the band tuning up, right, mm-hmm. so to speak, you, you know that you're gonna Shit's going to be going down. To Shit's <inaudible> about <inaudible> to go down. <inaudible>
0: yeah.
4: <inaudible>
3: so it's great. Yeah, as soon as I heard the music, I was like, I know shit's about to go
2: down. But... <laughs> We're going to do that
1: every episode. Like, it's going to become.
2: Well, like it conditions th- you, right? It does. Even just a. The... That little baseline, right? You're go. Oh, and, here and we go. wreck
4: fucking <laughs>
2: shop.
1: They fucking tear the sentinels up. Oh, yeah. oh it's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Storm is satisfying. awesome mm-hmm. in it. Cyclops mm-hmm. is awesome in it. Um, yep. just incredible powers. Like it's it's almost overwhelming. Like, even just watching it as yeah. adult.
2: Well, it plays out very, very fast. So it's, it's like if you it's, luckily it, it's you so know, quick. We can we can back it up if we miss anything. Uh, nowadays but watching this live at the time you're like oh my god what is happening it's just it's hard to keep up with uh, all this incredible action again like nothing else you would see in children's animation uh, and even action shows of the time this was I mean everything else paled in comparison to this kind of just very kinetic with so many characters so many moving parts so many different abilities on display just Mm -hmm. awesome stuff
1: and Um, wolverine ties it back emotionally with his kill because he's like this is Mm -hmm. for morph so he just kind of brings it home for you at the end like you're like yeah (laughs) i mean we forgot about that guy who died but yeah like that's awesome
2: (laughs) yeah and it's it's really it's kind of fitting for him, right? Because he takes yes. down one lone sentinel. That's it. Everybody else... Everybody gets their shit in here, but, mm-hmm. like, again, you know, Cyclops is absolutely bulldozing. Well, he does not cool, though. Um, Wolverine gets one. Just his one. It's in dedication <laughs> to Morph, and it's just a really poetic and, and fitting moral victory for him. Mm. So it, it just lets him... Um, finally let go of this, this misplaced blame that he could contribute something to this battle in his own way. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's not going to be tearing these Sentinels apart, again, like a Cyclops or Storm, but he can do something. He can still contribute in ways that he was unable to earlier in the episode. And in some ways, that goes some ways towards avenging Morse's death, at least for him and his, which, the code of honor is, that
0: he follows. Which is funny that, like, because I mean, he, he his adamantium claws could literally cut through anything. Anything. Yeah. So you would think that he would be just as powerful mm-hmm. against Sentinels as, say, like
2: Storm or Cyclops. Yeah, just yeah. carving through him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's
1: just a size issue, really. Because like he's a really kind of small guy. Yeah. And he doesn't. And he kind of he huge. doesn't have
2: the. Yeah. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. right. He and he doesn't have the advantage of the uh, reach
1: you know the reach
2: yeah ranged attack right yeah yeah exactly uh so but i love that they they still give him that moment me too I mean, they had to yeah right?
4: yeah it's a
1: really good payoff
2: mm-hmm. now i understand from and i i remember actually from the first go-round when this episode aired uh for the first time back november 7th 1992 a bit of the animation was unfinished uh, because the show was really rushed to production hmm. and that actually ended up uh, truncating a lot of the action and this scene, like notably um, I remember there was a cutaway right after Wolverine like plunged his claws into the back mm-hmm. of the Sentinels neck. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get that great, you know, was, the way it follows him just slicing and dicing. Sli- yeah, yeah. That was totally cut out the first oh. time this aired. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There were some other scenes. I think Storm, um, that kind of elaborate sequence where she powers up and then um unleashes like a lightning blast. That was hmm. that was sort of um hmm. patchy. Uh that's kind of yeah, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. so. Yeah. They actually got the finished animation and inserted it. So it's always been there for, for re airings of this episode. Like they only showed it in that incomplete form the first time. Mm. Um so that they would have something, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, so it's always been presented and preserved in its most complete iteration. But mm. that was something I think is is worth noting. If you if you watched it live, you got a little bit shortchanged, but um, Hey, that made the rerun much more satisfying, right? Because you're like, hey, I don't (laughs) remember all this. This is a lot better. Yeah. Um, So we uh, are now going to conclude our episode with Jubilee bidding farewell to her foster parents. And she then (laughs) returns with the X-Men to Xavier's school where she's going to enroll. Says it's the best place for people like her. I guess they're going to have a student body of one. She seems to be mm. the only actual student. Um, but that's okay. And we get uh, Cyclops sort of reflecting on recent events, looking for some reassurance from Jean, mm. who, by the way, does not participate in the assault on the Sentinels base. Remember, right. Jean Grey is meant to be a mansion-based supporting character in the series.
1: We have yet to discuss Jean Gray's attire. Um, yeah, Uh I feel it is one of the most iconic looks in all of every media that has ever existed.
2: Okay, um, it
1: I feel like her look is unlike anything else that I've ever seen. It's
2: yeah, it's always struck me as
1: it's bizarre. so bold. Yeah. It, it it's such a fucking vibe. Um. Look, if you've never seen Gene <laughs> yeah. Grace costume from this, just Google it. It's it's very skimpy and it's never addressed in any way, shape, or form that <laughs> I recall her body is never mentioned as being well, on display.
2: Here's the thing. You may not realize she's actually wearing leggings, but they are flesh colored. You- yeah sure i'm 100% yeah, um, like never, ever like, ever a hundred percent positive because i never ever got that
1: impression go ahead, because yeah. never... i had
2: that same impression the first time i saw that costume you know back in the early 90s i'm like why is she running around in what's effectively a one-piece bathing suit right it turns out yeah those are leggings she actually has some pouches on the side um but for some reason, they're kind of flush. He's colors. right. He's right. <laughs> and I she doesn't wear. Him.
1: It's just.
2: it. It's, it, it's weird. Very it's subtle. really weird. It's a weird yes, choice yeah. with her. I, I think it's meant to come across as very sexy and to make you think that it's more revealing than it is. But, like, hmm. she's had. She's taken, like, battle damage, you know, where it would get kind of oh. ripped up and you would see, like, her exposed flesh through. The again flesh colored costume that she's wearing, and it's like, oh, I think that's first time I realized that this was not just like a one piece suit that she was wearing, but it is, yeah. Especially in animation, it's like, why, uh, huh? <laughs> and yeah.
1: it, and it's also jarring in the comics. How, how did that work?
2: It, pretty much the same way. Again, same it, way? it was just a very sexy. Yeah. Like seemed like it was more revealing than it was sort of I mean, this was a Jim Lee redesign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um well. and it was I mean, vastly yeah, he <laughs> loved drawing beautiful women. So I see was, what
1: you mean about the quote unquote patches on the side, but look mm-hmm the lady's naked and i'm sorry she is
2: well it sure looks that way yeah boy wait wait. she's naked (laughs) wait wait till we get to emma frost i know (laughs) i know i love emma frost she is uh, mostly undressed Mm -hmm. uh
1: look i say this with very deep deep respect no i know no
0: i know you do. i know it's just Um, that's what i'm saying it's just funny it's like yeah
1: incredibly powerful and Fucking sexy as hell. That's that's oh yeah. A little little headpiece too, and her hair, and it's just those headpieces
2: were. I don't know why everyone needed this. um, I don't either. This weird facial buttress head sock thing, (laughs) like Cyclops has one. Gambit has one. It's just (laughs) head sock. Yeah, it's so weird, right? It's such a like a, a, a '90s month. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. jean has it.
3: uh It's a team headband. <laughs>
2: her hair, her hair is also in, in it's a so ponytail. So pretty.
1: Yes. It's. it's she that didn't wear her hair. In yeah.
2: yeah. And and comics, Gene in this costume at least did not wear her hair in a ponytail. uh So that was a a design choice for this show. Interesting. I think it was just to make her you know easier to to draw. Um, to make that animation job a little bit easier to not have a flowing head of hair to constantly have mm. to keep up with, mm. especially when you've already gone that route with storm and rogue. Like, right. Yeah. Let's, let's already enough in. hair. Yeah. Already yeah. enough big hair on this show.
1: Plus Wolverines. So.
2: Well, to, yeah. To say nothing of the guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, it's so crazy that Jean is, is not an active combatant in these, these early, these early missions mm-hmm. so i mean that is going to change we'll get there but at this point she's i do too i really yeah. do and it, it's like you can tell they figured out shit we really like as much as we want to backseat this character like we mm-hmm. can't because mm-hmm. her she's too powerful Well, and yeah, and and her relationships with the other characters are too... Like, she keeps coming up, you know? Mm -hmm. it's You can't really do a Cyclops episode without her figuring into it. And plus, you know, there's the love triangle thing with Wolverine. So, it's just, you can't get around. She's going to be a pretty integral um, component of this series.
1: And the relationship with professor x and to professor x certainly intimate. as well yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. now speaking of professor x uh once again he barely factors into this episode yep pretty much I mean, he
1: tries i guess
2: real briefly we see yeah. him um gets a few lines but but that's about it which i don't know i'm sort of okay with
1: me too cyclops is mvp in this for me
2: well i'm i appreciate you for for saying that um (laughs) again cyclops truther this this is a strong outing for him definitely he goes from like lowest of the low to the point that you're like okay this is the leader of our varsity squad right like come on supposed to be the the x-men's quarterback and it's like oh wait oh okay yeah i do get it now the way they turn that around it's a great Great little character arc, one and done for him. And if you're going to blame anybody for how catastrophic this this mission went, I would lay that blame squarely on Professor X, to be honest with you. Ooh. Because he took a blunt force approach to this goal that really would have been better accomplished and better served through like surgical precision, right? Mm-hmm. Why is there this, this sudden call to lay siege to the, the mutant control agency? Wouldn't wouldn't an infiltration make a lot more sense? You know, gather some intel, learn who is leading this conspiracy, what's the extent of their resources, what are they planning on doing? Sabotage them from within, you know? And it's not like they don't have someone perfectly equipped for that kind of subterfuge. Maybe like say a shapeshifter.
1: <laughs> I've always seen Professor X as a very reactionary leader as opposed to a tactician,
4: mm-hmm. like
1: with mm-hmm. a, a goal and a strategy. He yeah. he seems very much to just kind of react to shit that other people do. And mm-hmm. not really seen like a like the one clear plan that he had i felt was for gray and it ended up backfiring on him and so i'm like well he's just not like he's very wise but he's not intuitive and he can't really he's just so reactionary yeah situation
2: i would agree with that He he's more of the big picture guy he's more of the visionary but when it comes to Making decisions in the field, you better leave that to Cyclops and Storm. Right, right? it doesn't
1: go well. Those and he, are
2: your he, tacticians. He
1: doesn't ever go after some like he doesn't like. I don't know it. It's always in response to something that's been done to him. Yep. He doesn't carry not out proactive missions. enough. Right, he he's like more of a defensive character than he is an offensive character.
2: And I think that has been a long. Long-time criticism of the X-Men and their mission and their and Xavier's dream, so to speak, mm-hmm. is that it is so reactionary. It's not doing enough to get out on the front lines and to stop things before they happen. Like right? a
1: Tony Stark kind of situation, you might say. <laughs> right.
2: Or if perhaps there was a counterpoint to Xavier's right. approach by someone right. else who has a yeah. different... Idea was also a mutant, uh, yeah, and and a leader, a great leader as well. So, I
1: mean, who Hmm. might you follow in that situation?
2: Let's, yeah, let me think about that one,
3: (laughs) Well, it is implied that they kind of work together at one point. So, do we think maybe X is the way he is because the person you're talking about was the other way and he could lean on him to be that way. Mm. And he could come up with the other way of thinking, you know, I mean, that's just a shot in the dark, but I, no,
2: I, that's an interesting interpretation of, of their relationship. Like,
0: sure. Yeah.
2: Let One someone thing. else kind of do the dirty work. And, <laughs> and that way I can be a little bit more pacifist, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, I can see that to, just to sort yeah. of balance the scales. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Or they just had different mentality. So he was like, "Okay, this guy's like this. We can accomplish this goal, but I can also look at it this way, and we can accomplish this as well." So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: There was a layer of trauma that Magneto had that Charles did not have.
4: Yeah,
2: exactly. It Mm -hmm. just, it Mm -hmm. just,
1: there was just differing viewpoints just because of life experience.
2: Yes. So not to get ahead of ourselves, but we'll have right, much yeah. more to say about that. In our, no,
1: I want to watch the in, movies again. In our next
2: episode. No. <laughs> well, well we won't it. have to wait long. We won't have yeah, to wait. Yeah, we'll long be watching too. them soon.
0: There's a, uh, uh, you know what? They don't they don't sell t-shirts that say Xavier was right. No,
2: they don't
1: Oh my god, sir. I certainly oh, don't is. need
2: any of those. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's but, not wrong, but, so. <laughs> but every nerd has a Magneto, it's very right, sure. <laughs> yeah. We love what you've done
1: with your hair.
4: <laughs> so, hello, um. Oh, hello, Charles. <laughs>
1: I looked at, like, this fierce character and all I think about is, like, him just being, like, really petty. That bitchy,
0: and yeah, that petty and, and bitchy. And, and the, 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 one of the greatest <laughs> villains in comic book history, and he's played That's, by the biggest, he's by by the biggest queen. He's played <laughs> by the biggest queen in Hollywood. In well, well,
2: it's charms. fitting. I mean, that is... Love well, your little little. Mutants oh. are a metaphor. Mutants are a metaphor, so it should... Oh, that God. is exactly how it should, Don't should worry play
0: about out. me. <laughs> should have killed me when you had the chance. The
4: chance. You, should have, you should have killed me when
0: you had the chance, you bitch. So
3: <laughs> I may need Keithy to say hello, Charles, every day from now on. Hello,
0: Charles. <laughs> just such I just made my day.
1: God, it's
2: awesome. <laughs> it's like he's chewing on the word Charles as he... <laughs>
0: oh, God, it's so good. With I mean Charles. I, I mean it's it's I, I mean I know he's Gandalf, but Ann McKellen's best role oh. has got to be friggin' Magneto. Because he's so just perfect. he's he's so dramatic. <laughs> he's so oh hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: God. All right, so that about wraps it up for for our episode. Any other stray observations that you guys had or anything you, you didn't get a chance to point out or talk about?
1: The only no, other thing... Oh, go ahead, Logan. No, you
3: got it. You got it.
1: <laughs> the only other thing I was thinking about was how... So, like, if you had a superpower, would you let it totally identify you as a person like all of these Mm. x-men like their personality is tied to their power and they are free to Mm. use their power you know the x-men are they're not discriminated against within themselves and but they all lean into their power as part of their personality traits like gambit for sure Mm -hmm. um like if you had a power would do you feel like you would do that would you would you shy away from that as your personality and like not lean on it or would you try to become it
0: I don't know um it's a weird thought i had
2: as that's, much, a, great question, no, that's a really cool question
0: yeah cuz i'm trying to think like tim throughout the history i'm trying to think of a of any of the any of the x men that didn't really that like tried to frown away from their power.
2: Well, honestly, I, it, it's sort of one of those that, that it goes back to the statement, mutant powers can be both a blessing and a curse. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think for characters like rogue and Cyclops who have number one powers that they can't control. Mm-hmm. Number two powers that are very destructive and in rogue's case uh, powers that are honestly very Detrimental to like her own like personal development. Yeah, personal yeah. Like yeah. she literally yeah. cannot have intimate contact with another human being mm. without the threat of harm. And and that is such a crucial element of just human and it's not even about sex, right? It's just mm-hmm. you can't even enjoy a, a hug yeah. or a, a caress. No, and that's and that's been
0: yeah, and that's been well established it's, in the books like all yeah, the time
2: like, just how devastating and traumatic yeah. that is to her and I mean that's one of the reasons I I admire Rogue as much as I do because of all characters she has the most reason to strike out against the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, and to hate her existence and hate the unfairness of of her lot in life and yet she she tr- she chooses the path of of Xavier, which is, uh, you know, integration and peace. And, Mm. and it's just, it's very impressive that, you know, she can overcome the burden that, that her powers are. Um, and and we see that when it comes to her natural abilities, she really doesn't, uh, like to use them just Mm -hmm. because they, they do represent such a danger, but maybe she sort of makes up for that by how much she kind of revels in, these secondary abilities that she has certainly she she loves the ability of flight the the super strength like i mean she hip tosses a sentinel at one point Mm -hmm. how cool is that yeah (laughs) um so it's sort of a a give and take with her to some degree but it it's one of those like it it kind of depends on the power right where that's
3: what i was gonna say Mm -hmm.
2: you want to have a sense of pride in your your own being and and sense of self and be surrounded by others where you're embraced but at the end of the day like i think it'd be awesome to be able to control the weather i don't think it'd be all that awesome to have a the equivalent of a a nuclear bomb between my eyes that i can't control (laughs) Um, so
1: his personality is directly affected by his power
2: very it, much so it's it's yeah.
1: intrinsic like you can't really separate unless he was evil like legit unless he was evil so his goodness and his his restraint is a choice right yeah because he and, could and be really like, everybody th- he could take over the world if he wanted to right yeah,
3: literally. Yeah, he could literally destroy the world if he wanted to,
1: and so. he he just fights against it every day. So you know he's mm-hmm. he's a hero, and so he has to act that way.
2: Yeah, and certainly someone like prof, yeah, and someone like Professor X who can can literally can control your own thoughts uh, mm-hmm. on a mass scale, like. Tons of
1: responsibility there. That's
2: a lot of responsibility. And that's also something that can be very seductive in Mm -hmm. in the wrong hands. You were Um, evil. Yeah. But that's where I think having this, this ideology is helpful, right? Where your, Mm -hmm. your, your sense of identity comes not just from, I'm a mutant because I have this one weird thing going on. This, extra power but because i'm also surrounded by these other people who themselves identify as mutants and we have a sense of community and and we've decided what that means to us and how Mm -hmm. we're going to act on it you know Mm -hmm. whereas someone who's just out in the world flailing doesn't know anything about an x-men or a magneto brotherhood Mm -hmm. whatever is like maybe very lost in the world right and um and, and despises their their powers once anything except this this one like because you have to keep in mind as well that most of the time these powers manifest um, during adolescence so for the most part you've been living a quote-unquote normal ordinary existence and then that changes suddenly one day forever and, yeah hits yeah. yeah like puberty yeah and that's yeah. where you have to f- Figure things out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you need some guidance. That's where the X Men come in, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting uh, question for sure. Like, to what extent is your identity defined by your your power, right? Not just your you know genetics, but what is what does it mean to you personally to be a mutant and to have laser beams that shoot out of your eyes or <laughs> fireworks that shoot out of your fingertips. It's you know goes in a lot of different places for sure. Mm. Um one last point about this episode. I really last two episodes, I, I think we touched on this a little, but it's very typical we talked about Terminator 2, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's very typical for media of this era to Depict foster parents as like total assholes. Like they're always villainized. You know mm-hmm. they always are just doing it for the money, or they're just you know they don't. There's always something like devious going on behind yeah. the scenes with with a foster parent, right? Ooh, and I guess I appreciated the fact. And this was probably again a note from the censors that said, no, let's let's you know have more of a kind depiction of these people so I guess I just liked that it was different that Jubilee's foster parents are just like a, a well-meaning husband and wife who, yeah who, they seem
1: very nice
2: they make some dumb decisions but they they mm. do seem to genuinely care about her they're mm. not just like oh, sell her out to the mutant control agency yeah
4: they well, could have I, done that
0: well, well I think because I think what it is is that they're being led to believe that this is going to be the best thing for their daughter right. mm-hmm. yeah and that's kind was, of what yeah. that's kind of what the government really would do, you know. Mm. If I can say that.
2: Of course. Um so all in all, you guys, uh it's another five out of five for me. Yes. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> yes. Otherwise. five X's. Easily, mm-hmm. I love it. Easily. Uh so our Characters featured. So, Keith, would you uh, agree? Five out of five from you, or yes? You the, I,
0: no, no, no. I think five out of five. I will say, did did we mention the fact that they they still left Beast there?
2: Yeah. So Beast is still uh, a prisoner. <laughs> well, I mean, what are they gonna what are they gonna do? They they can't really. I mean, we're not gonna forget about him, but we don't resolve. Yeah,
1: he's we spying. don't resolve
2: his fate in this episode.
1: Yeah, another cliffhanger.
2: Yeah, yeah, sort of. Like we we know he's still alive. He's still out there, but just
1: like comic books, man. You got to leave mm-hmm. something hanging.
2: Yep, yep. Uh so we had the same characters featured this time around as as our premiere with the addition this time of Bolivar Trask. Trask and... was not in mm-hmm. the uh the pilot. Uh no cameos, no no easter eggs. We I guess we just had too much ground to cover here because we don't mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't get any of that stuff in this this uh, second part. Um, as far as, you know, what stories this would have been adapted from in the comics. I mean, closest thing I, I had Uncanny X-Men issue 95, which, again, we mentioned it was the death of Thunderbird. Morph going down kind of parallels that. I know they're mm-hmm. vastly different characters, obviously, but sort of the same purpose there. Um, and then there's a callback to Uncanny X-Men 138 with Jubilee's arrival at the X-Mansion. It kind of mirrors uh, Kitty Pride, mm-hmm. uh coming to live there for the first time as well. But, I mean, that's more thematic than anything. So very, very loose connective tissue there Mm -hmm.
1: and some of the scenes in this is depicted in the live action movies so
2: yeah the movies uh, borrow honestly probably more so from this from the this animated series than they do from the comics really yeah isn't that
1: awesome
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah. well it it makes a lot of sense right it's because this series in a lot of ways is a Shorthand of the X Men saga, it's kind of like what you would do if you had like a do over, right? Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. if the mistakes had already been made <laughs> in comics, and you you had the option of doing things differently, I, I think this is sort of what you get. Um, well and we'll continue to we'll continue to see how that plays out over the course of the series when they do tackle. Very direct uh, adaptations from the comics themselves. Yes. Uh, okay. So on sale at the time, this again, this episode aired November 7th, 1992. You would have found uh, Excalibur number 60, just kind of looks like a fill in issue of that book. Uncanny X Men two ninety six. It is part nine of the Executioner song crossover. Oh, wow. <laughs> twelve parts, twelve parts of that. So mm-hmm. we're getting towards the end. I remember reading it and loving it at the time. And a tie-in to that very crossover, he one-shot called Strife's Strike File. Oh, I have that. <laughs> yeah, I have that it's
0: book.
2: it's great because it's the villain Strife who is extremely melodramatic i mean we talked about how ian mckellen's magneto is, is so dramatic i mean Mm-mm. strife is the ultimate edgelord drama queen and all <laughs> like he just he he hates his parents he, he's like a an arrested he's, he's like a child in like this arrested adolescence but <laughs> in a suit made of armor and knives uh and he's come back from he's come back from the future to get revenge on his parents and all of his enemies and so basically this entire one shot is just character descriptions of various important people within the the realm of X-Men comic books uh characters but it's through strife's voice so you get a lot of this very purple prose just nonsense like none of this makes any sense the way that he's talking about these characters but very entertaining to read all the same Mm -hmm. i wanted like if i had time i I would pull it up and read like a passage from it because Mm -hmm. it's so it's so completely over the top the way this this character writes and speaks and thinks of those around him but uh, Sadly, we will not see Strife as a major villain or, or character throughout the course of uh, oh, this animated series. So that's... That
3: gives me Strife.
2: It does, yeah. me too. Yeah. That's sad. Alright. Well, I think that's going to do it for us, guys.
0: Alright.
1: What do you got to promote,
2: Tim? Oh, my. Well, uh, Jenny, well, we had our, our episode of, if you haven't heard it already, uh, we do have an episode of Freak Out Drive-In, you and I Jenny, talking, I guess we'll go ahead and spoil it, uh, it's one that's been on the list, heavily requested for the past several years, years in the making, Jenny, A we while, yeah. to, to covering Rosemary's Baby, the classic, the Roman Polanski classic, and I had a fun time. It was that, awesome. Uh, live watch with you for Freak Out Drive In.
1: It was a long movie, but it's a
2: long movie, but uh,
1: amazing payoff and
2: amazing. Yeah, it, was, it delivers one of my favorite. We,
1: we went places on that one. Oh, I,
2: yeah. <laughs> as, as usual. As does the movie. <laughs> right. Um uh you and I also have a pair of wrestling podcasts. Those are on place to be nation wrestling. So there is talking. Talking, excuse me, <laughs> talking WCW. That's with our friend Greg Phillips. And we have PTB NXT. That is with our friend Jacob Williams. Both of those you can find again on Place to Be Nation Wrestling. I am on Twitter, X whatever, at psych68, C Y K E 68. Cyclops
0: was right.
1: <laughs> Hashtag Cyclops was right. <laughs> What about you, Keithy?
0: Um, well, you can always catch me every week on GFA Live, uh, wherever you your podcasting app brings you. Uh, that is with my good friend, my BFF, Petey. And uh, also, you can check out A La Carte with Keithy on the North-South Connection Podcast Network. And uh, um, all three of the participants in this show tonight have been on there and uh we'll have you all on again very very soon so please join us and uh you can hear me everywhere else and the chrono all over the north south connection podcast network basically and yeah i like that Good yeah we and you like could, it and oh, do. And you can check out my x or flounder at flounder 824 on the x the twitter whatever it is you know so hit me up
1: what about you damn it logan
0: Damn it, Logan.
3: I'm um, on the North South Connection here as well, with uh, linking up Luchas. Jenny, you're on that show with me. Mm-hmm. We just recorded an episode last night. Uh, just continuing through that, uh, enjoying it every bit uh, so far. So, um, looking forward to continuing that journey, journey of course. And then also with you, we have Talking Docs uh, here on the North South Connection, and then. Uh, Highway to the Impact Zone is my uh, main show over on the Place of Be Nation Wrestling feed, and my Twitter is HighwayPTBN.
1: Wow, we all do a lot of shows, so there's Ooh. that. Mm-hmm. Um I'll I'll just promote uh, Extreme Three Way Dance right here on the North South Connection and uh my Twitter at Jenny Position. Thank y'all for listening, and we will see you next time.
4: I'm not going